Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we asked the question, um, if, you, if, you, if you have, if you are giving $10 million and the condition is you give it away, who will you give it to? We had a lot of interesting responses. We put up online also and we got some interesting, interesting responses. Some of these responses were so funny that I, I was just laughing all the way. Somebody said, ah, you know, go fit up, you know? Am I mad? I go use them, help myself. <laughs> I just give it to me. Somebody else said, I will hold it in my right hand and I will give it to my left hand. <laughs> That's my way of giving it away, period. You know? And someone else said, as a sharpshooter for Christ, I will give it all to Jesus as a seed and he will give me back a million fold. <laughs> That's like putting a gun on God's head. Now I've given you this jackpot. Roll. Praise the name of the Lord. But the question I want to ask you this morning, which, which I wanted to ask your, your neighbor, is what is the most generous thing you've seen someone do? Think about it. What's the most generous thing you have seen somebody do? Or it could be yourself. You may have been maybe the most generous person you know on earth. There's nobody else as generous as you. What's the most generous thing have you done? Please ask your neighbor. What's the most generous thing have you seen someone do? Get a response now. Come on. The most generous thing I think uh, a man has ever done is give his life. For mankind. Jesus, right? Yeah. Oh, very spiritual. That's good. Let's laugh for it. Let's laugh for it. Let's laugh for it. Apart from Jesus, apart from Jesus, what's the most generous thing a human being that, is, that you have met has done? Okay, there's a hand at the back. Let's just take that one. Um, a friend of mine told me that um, the person she worked with, while they were living in Lagos, Asked, they, they called and said, ah, the husband asked us, what do we, how do we say to you? She said, um, anything God lays in your heart. See, they gave her a house, a bungalow, wow. and gave her a land. Wow. And she's in, very, you know, she was so as in, shocked. She wasn't expecting that. I think that's the most generous thing I've seen someone do in someone's life. That you have seen. Okay, awesome. That's, that's something, I'm, an example. You want to say something, man? Okay, let's bring it up um, forward here then. We'll, we'll take it from there. Okay. Right yes. There. What my neighbor said. Yes, what your neighbor said. <laughs> yes. Well, he said he believes the missionaries who came to Africa, right. not knowing where they were coming, mm. but for the love of God, they came mm. and they spent all of their lives here. He believes that's a very generous that thing. That is a g- generous thing. In fact, awesome. While you are taking the mic back there, a lot of them came with their boxes filled with clothes. And the boxes are in the shape of a coffin because they know that they most likely will be buried. So they were carrying their own coffin on their head, coming to... Wow. Yes. Praise the Lord. My, my neighbor said um, our official driver gave his kidney... Okay, the wife gave a kidney to her husband and to others was a wow, wow thing. Ah. Who else will she give it to? <laughs> 
Wait, 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 wait. Let's, <laughs> let's define this thing called marriage very well. <laughs> that is a generous thing. But you gave your kidney to your husband. You have two. Do you want him to die before? Am I missing something? He gave his kidney to his driver. Oh, the driver gave his kidney to his bosses. Ah, wow. That is so generous. Okay. I didn't get that. I thought the wife gave the kidney to the husband. Or the husband gave the kidney to the wife. Praise the Lord. Or am I missing something? No. Good. That is hugely generous. Praise the name of the Lord. And two weeks ago, we, we, we explained that in part one of, of how to be rich, if you are coming for the first time, you are in the middle of a series called How to be Rich. We are rounding up the series next week by the grace of God. And this is part three. In part one, we looked at good news, bad news. And we said good news is that, is what? You are rich. And the bad news is that, is that you are rich. So it's good news, it's bad news. And, and we said, if, if you don't learn how to feel rich, you will never learn how to act rich and you continue to struggle to get rich and you will never realize that you already are rich and you never learn how to be rich. And we, and we explained that this is how to be rich, not how to get rich. Two different things. Last week, we looked at part two of the series and we looked at the deceitfulness of riches. Everybody said deceitfulness of riches. And we, we said that wealth is deceitful because many times wealth promises what only God can deliver. Wealth is deceitful because many times wealth promises what only God can deliver. And we explained that if you had said to your, let's say you are married and you are saying, if I have enough money, then there will be harmony in my marriage. You have been deceived. You have been deceived. Why? Because money is not... It's only God that can bring out money in a marriage. Money is only an amplifier. If there's harmony in the marriage, while you don't have a lot of money, when you have a lot of money, it will be amplified. If there's strife in the marriage, when you don't have a lot of money, when you have a lot of money, the strife will be multiplied by... The magnitude of the money. Praise the name of the Lord. So money is just an amplifier. And we explained that, you know, God wants you and I to trust him and not money. And money is the number one contender of our hearts with God. Money is the number one contender of our hearts with God. Money is the... God did not say you cannot serve... God and Satan. It says you cannot serve God and money. And money. So if God can deliver you from the love of money, God 
might as well have just delivered your soul from death. So we said that, how do we know people that love and trust money? How do you, how do, what, is the, what are the things, pointers, that problem here? Maybe I'm beginning to love and trust money here. It's simple. Number one, three litmus tests. Number one, people that love and trust money never have enough. They never have enough. My grandmother used to say something. She used to say, the, the rich can never have enough money. Have you heard that before? <laughs> and this is the rich that is trusting in money. We never have enough money. Why? Because it's, it's a moving goalpost. You would think, if I have this amount, if I can just get a million dollars, I'll be fine. I can just get five million dollars. I'll be fine. You get five million dollars. I just get so if if you never are content. I'm not talking about complacency. I'm talking about contentment. It's a major pointer. Pointer number two. How do you know that you are beginning to trust money and love money more than God? Simple. You have money in your hand, but you don't have peace in your heart. You have money in your hand, but you don't have peace in your heart. You have money in your hand, but you don't have peace. It's a major pointer. Major pointer. Major pointer. Pointer number three. People that love and trust money find it increasingly difficult to give big. They can give a token. They can give an amount that will not require faith or stretch them, but they struggle to give big. Then they come up with all sorts of theories, but it's all because their trust is not in God, is in money. If I find out that I'm, I'm having, I'm, I have one of, three, of these three things, what do I do? I'm praying for you today that God will deliver you from the shackles of money in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm praying that you will have enough and be content. In Jesus' name, I'm praying that you will have money in your hand and you will have peace in your heart. And I'm praying that you will be able to give big. And giving big will not be a problem for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Week three, today we are continuing and we are looking at rich givers. Rich givers. Our text remains... First Timothy chapter 6, First Timothy 6, and um, we are zooming in on verse 18 this time. First Timothy 6, verse 18. The word of God says, tell them, who are they, you and I, to use their money to do what? To do good. They should be rich in good works and generous. Rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always been ready to share with others. Everybody say after me. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am grateful. I am rich. I will not trust in riches. But in him who richly provides for me. It is important that you realize that you are rich. Someone says, Pastor, I like that prophecy. I receive it in Jesus' name. 
Listen, it is not so much of a prophecy. It is a fact and it is the truth. You are rich. It's a fact and it's the truth. We explained the factual part of it. Meaning, if you earn, for instance, 50,000 naira a month, 50,000 naira a month, you are richer than 5 billion people on earth. 5 billion people. And you are in the top 21% richest people in the world. 50, 50K a month. You are in the top 21%. I mean, if there are 100 students in the class and your child comes 21 out of 100, you won't kill that boy now, would you? You can give him a few slaps like I would. But you will still be grateful to God. Praise the Lord. If you earn a 100K a month, a 100K a month, for instance, you are in the top 15% richest people in the world. Top 15%. Now, what if you earn 250K in a month? I know a lot of you earn far more than 250K in a month. But what if you earn 250K in a month? You are in the top 2% richest people in the world. Top 2%. Now, again, if you have a child in the class of 100 and he comes second, will you flog him? Will you flog him? Well, if you were me, maybe you'd give him a knock. Like my mom always says to us, the person that comes first, does he have two heads? Now, my point really is this. A lot of us don't realize how much God has helped us. You need to start by realizing, which is why we thank God for all the testimonies, you know, kids' testimony and, you know, Testimony. You need to thank God for how God has helped you. Some people may sit down there and say, ah, can she just be thanking God for ordinary bag? <clears throat> ordinary bag. It's because you have ten. That's why you can talk. Praise the Lord. We are not as grateful as we have been blessed. God wants us to be grateful. Say to your neighbor, God wants you to be grateful. So the question is, why did God make me rich or make you rich? Why did God make you rich? Why did God make you rich? The question is not if you are rich. The question is, why did God make you rich? And the answer is in the text that we, we, we just read. First Timothy 6, 18. It says, tell them to use their money to what? To do good. To do good. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. Second Corinthians 9, 11 from the NIV. The word of God says, you will be made rich in every way. Say amen. amen. So that you can be what? Generous to on a few occasions. When you're in a good mood, when your wife has just cooked pounded yam and a goosey soup, you should be generous on 
every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So God wants you and I to give more and more and more. God wants you and I to be generous. God wants you and I to be big givers. God wants you and I to be rich givers. So how can I learn to give more? You can learn to give more. I learned to give more. And more and more. You can learn to give more. How? Two ways of learning to give more. The first way for me to learn to give more, I must be an intentional giver. I must be an intentional giver. I must give how? Intentionally. Intentionally. Second Corinthians 9, 7. Second Corinthians 9, 7. The word of God says that you must each decide. Everybody say decide. You must decide. Be intentional in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, God says you must not give reluctantly. God says that don't give in response to pressure. If you go for a meeting and the person that is speaking is putting you under pressure to give, if you don't give now, the seven-day miracle is going to pass you by. Give now. Say, oh God, Fabu. God says I should not give under pressure. <laughs> yeah, don't give. Because it's not scriptural. Don't give under pressure. Wow, some people are like, really? I say, yeah, really, it's in the Bible. Can't you see it there? I was like, I like said it. Don't give under pressure. Don't let anybody pressure you. Some, uh, some folks have said to me before that, oh, pastor, you know, when you take up offerings in, in church, you just say, let's prepare tithes and offerings, and people just prepare their tithes and offerings. How do you do it? And people are giving. Pastor, how do you do it? Because in my church, you, I need to wind the people. If I don't wind them, wind them, wind them, wind them, <laughs> they don't give. <laughs> I say, well, I don't know. If you think you need to wind them, I don't think I need to wind them. I think I just need to tell them. This is the word of God. And they will respond. Praise the name of the Lord. Say, hey, hey, if I try that one, they might, ah. <laughs> because we think that it is in uh, manipulating people. No. God says what? Don't give under pressure. You have to be intentional. Everybody say Intentional. You have to be intentional with your giving. The same way you cannot grow spiritually without being intentional. If you want to grow spiritually, you must be intentional. You cannot just wish that you will grow spiritually. You cannot just say, I will stroll to church on Sundays. Sometimes I even come late. And I will grow spiritually. You have to be intentional about your spiritual growth. The same way you have to be intentional with your physical workout. You want to be healthy, you want to lose weight, you want to build muscles, you want to you know, be healthy. You, and you need to work out, you need to hit the gym. If you sit down in the house with remote control on one hand, popcorn on the other hand, 
Sprite between your legs. You are watching African magic. You are not going to burn those fats. In fact, the fats will just be flowing. You have to be intentional. Let us say intentional. You have to be intentional. You have to be deliberate. Get up. Hit the floor. Ten press-ups for the road. A hundred sit-ups for the abs. Intentional. The same way with your giving. The same way you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. For you to learn how to give big, you have to be intentional. Now, I'm going to point you in two directions to be intentional. Then I'll talk about the second way to learn how to be, uh, give big, and, and we'll be done. I will be intentional how I will be intentional. I will intentionally return to God what belongs to God. I will intentionally return to God what belongs to God. I will deliberately give back to God what belongs to God. I will deliberately tithe. You see, tithe does not just fly out of your accounts. Have you noticed? You've noticed. <laughs> it doesn't just fly out. You have to be deliberate in giving it. Leviticus 27.30, the word of God says in Leviticus 27.30, says a tithe of everything from the land, whether it be grain of the soil or the fruit of the tree, belongs to who? Belongs to the Lord. It is holy unto him. Malachi 3.10a, Malachi 3.10a says, bring the whole tithe, a part of the tithe, half of the tithe, the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food, supply, bread, nourishment in the house. God says, it belongs to God. The tithe you don't, you don't give, you don't pay your, you don't pay your tithes. You don't give your tithes, you pay it. You don't pay your tithes, you give it. <laughs> I'm getting it mixed up now. What is it? Eh? You don't give, you pay. Good. President. <laughs> because it belongs to God. It belongs to who? To God. Oh, some folks have said, um, Tithe is Old Testament. I said, really? It's Old Testament, really? I said, open to Deuteronomy 28. Open to Deuteronomy 28. I said, from verse 2. I said, you shall be the head and not the tail. Say amen. You'll be blessed going out. You'll be blessed coming in. Blessed will be the increase of your kind. Blessed will be the fruit of your body. Where's that? Is that your portion? I can't hear you now. <laughs> Everybody deceiving themselves. This is the Old Testament. Old Testament. Oh. Convenience election. <laughs> oh. You know, and they say, oh, it's the law. Oh, no, tight is the law. We are no more under the law. And like this. I, I, I read an article. 
if, if you had to print that article on the internet, it would be at least five to seven pages. And the guy was just writing a lot of stuff, but ultimately nonsense. Why? Because he doesn't even understand the law. You see, when you talk about the law, there are five things. There are five things the Bible calls the law. Number one, listen to this. A lady walked up to me after the first worship experience. I says, wow, that's, she has never heard it before. And she has read the book that almost confused her. Thank you for that. So I'm going to share it again. It wasn't part of my note. I just shared it from the blues. Number one, when the Bible talks about the law, it could be the first five books of the Bible. The Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The law. Sometimes, just the Deuteronomy, but the first five books of the Bible. Number two, when the Bible talks about the law, the Bible can be referring to what is known as the moral law. That's the Ten Commandments. The moral law. Thou shalt not... Thou shalt not... That's number two. When the Bible is talking about the law, the Bible can be talking about, I'm going to lump these two laws together, the civil law or the ceremonial law. This, 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 the ceremonial law is the law of cleansing and preparation of the, of the shedding of the bulls, of, of, of blood of bulls and, go, and, and, and goats, and the, 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 the protocol of access. And the civil law is, is, is specific for the nation of Israel. That is, this is the law that governs the civility of, of social engagement in the land of Israel. That's number three. When the Bible talks about the law, it could be the whole of the first part of the Old Testament. You know, the Bible says, Jesus says, the, the law and the prophet. The Old Testament is largely developed into the law and the prophets. So the prophets are from um, Isaiah down. Then the law. It could be or, number five, it could be the whole Bible. When the word of God says, when Joshua, Joshua 1, 8, that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, for you shall meditate therein day and night. Now, when Jesus came and fulfilled the law, what exactly did Jesus make it relevant? The Bible? Is it? It's not the Bible. Is it, is it the moral law? Is it the Ten Commandments? Is the Ten Commandments irrelevant? Thou shalt not kill. Is it relevant? Go outside and kill. Find out that it's very relevant. Largely, is the ceremonial law the civil law? The law of access to God. The law of ex- the establishment of connection to heaven. That is what Jesus came to fulfill. And he set aside the old so that he can bring about the new. So, and that is the covenant that was replaced. The covenant with Abraham is still intact. In fact, the covenant of Abraham is a subset of the covenant of Jesus. Jesus came so that we can be a partaker, Galatians 3. We can be a partaker of the covenant of Abraham. So if the covenant of Abraham was irrelevant... President of the Lord. Am I making sense to you? By the way, 
Even before the moral law, Abraham paid tithe. He was the first person to pay tithe to Melchizedek. So, tithing teaches me to put God first. Tithing does what? Teaches me to what? To put God first. Deuteronomy 14.23, the Living Bible, Deuteronomy 14.23 says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Tithing also increases my faith. Tithing increases my faith. In Malachi 3.10b that we read, Malachi 3.10b, the word of God says Malachi 3.10b, God is saying, test me. Everybody say, test me. God saying, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, God does not allow you to test him in any, any other area. In fact, Jesus said to Satan, thou shalt not put the Lord your God to, to test. You are not allowed to test me in any other area. But when it comes to tithing, God says what? Test me. Wow. God says, I know you are going to struggle with it. I know you are going to have a lot of philosophies about this thing. But you know what? I want you to test me. I can give you um, personal examples of when I began to tithe. It was, well, difficult and not difficult. Not difficult because we've always been taught to tithe when we were growing up. But difficult because it's one thing for your mom to give you the money that you tithe. It's another thing for you to earn the money and from your money you tithe. You know, there are two different things. Then it became difficult, more difficult, when the money is easier to tithe on 50,000 naira, right? You get 50,000 naira, no big deal, 5,000. God, I'm honoring you with 5,000. I'm honoring you, Lord. It's your word. Open that window of heaven. And God does it. Opens the window of heaven. It becomes 50 million. What's the title of 50,000? Come on, come on, come on. 5,000. Tithe is one-tenth, ten percent. What's the tithe of 50 million? Five million. Now, when it's time to tithe five million, I say, hey, wait, wait, wait. What are they even doing without money, sir? Now, <laughs> now your brain is working. <laughs> what are they doing? I hope they know what they are doing in that place. When God was protecting you and your family, they don't know what they are doing. When he was healing your body, they don't know what they are doing. When he was promoting you, they don't know what they are doing. Praise the name of the Lord. Test me in this. Now, there's, there's something that we, we, we shared in the first worship experience, which is not original, which has been existing in the church for a long time, Capital at C Church, and it is called the tight challenge. Everybody say tight challenge. God says, "Test me." For those of you that you are struggling with tithing, I'm not talking about those of you that have been tithing. You you've seen God's faithfulness. I'm not talking about that. I'm not those of you that have been confused with philosophies, and you are struggling with tithing. I want to challenge you 
with this tight challenge. What's the tight challenge? It's very simple. Say, for the next three months, I'm going to tithe. Please write a check so that we can, we can trace it because of what I'm going to say next. At the end of three months, if God does not prove faithful to you, we'll refund your money. No questions asked. Is that a good deal? No questions asked. These three months, I've been tithing. Nothing, there's no big deal. Nothing has changed. I do, there's nothing. We'll, we'll refund your money. That's a good challenge. Or you may say that, okay, okay, even after three months, I don't want my money back, but I will just stop tithing. Fine, do that. But you see, there's, it is one place that God has said, challenge me in this, test me in this. Test me and see. Praise the name of the Lord. Challenge me. You see, in the Bible, the, 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 numbers means different things. Number one means what? One is the number of, come on. Two is the number of, One is the number of unity. God. One God. The Father. The Father of all. Two is the number of witness. In the mouth of two or more witnesses. Three is the number four. For what? Of the Godhead, of Trinity. Be confident. Say it. You are saying Trinity. Five is the number of... Okay, four. Four is the number of balance. You know that now. Five is the number of... Oh, you want me to get through everything? Ah, human beings. Six is the number for... For man. Seven is the number of... Perfection. Eight is the number of... New beginnings, correct. Nine is the number of fruitfulness. Absolutely. Ten, tithe is a tenth. Ten is the number for testing. God says, test me in this. It's a test for you, it's a test for him. He wants you to test him and he's testing your heart. Test me in this. Ten is the number for testing. Test me in this. How many plagues did God send to Pharaoh to, to test him? How many? Ten. How many virgins did God test for wisdom and foolishness? Ten. How many lepers did Jesus heal and test for gratitude? Ten. How many commandments did God give? Ten. Number four. Testing. How many wives should a man marry to test him? <laughs> oh yeah, no, answer, answer, answer. Only one. 
<laughs> one is enough for a man's lifetime. <laughs> Proper testing. Praise the name of the Lord. Ten is the number for testing. God says, test me in this. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven. And see if I will not rebuke the devourers for your sakes. And see. You know, because devourers are out there. 90% with God's blessings will take you further than 100% with a devourer. I can tell you how God taught me how to tithe. It's a whole journey. How God taught me how to tithe. Maybe that can even be a whole sermon by itself. How God taught me how to tithe. Whole sermon. I have scars to show you. God took me through an amazing, amazing journey. The key thing here is, is this. God says, I will rebuke the devourer. For your sake. Praise the name of the Lord. It is his job to rebuke the devourer. That's number one. Number two, we need to, for those of us that are still borderline, take the challenge. Take the tight challenge. And see, I was praying with. Um, Two young men came to, to the office and um, I was praying with them and we began to talk about tithing and apparently they've not been tithing. So one of them said to me, oh, God has shown me in my dream that I have been stealing from him. Now I want to start tithing. So I said to him, well, you don't worship here in God's favorite house. He said, no, he mentioned the name of his church. I said, you tithe in your local church. He says, no, what if I want to bring the money? I said, no. Tithe where? In your local church. Where does tithe belong to? Your local church. He says, oh, I will divide it up. I will give the uh, motherless babies. I will give the... Uh, the... That's not a tithe. That is benevolence. God expects us to be benevolent. When you do that, you have no tithe. Praise the name of the Lord. Your tithe belongs to where? Your location. So if you are visiting us here in God's favorite house, when we are about to receive our tithe, please don't pay your tithe. Okay? Go back to your local church and tithe. And God will bless you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. How can I learn <clears throat> to give more and more? Number one, I give what? Intentionally. And I said intentionally, how? I will intentionally return to God what belongs to God. Number two, I will intentionally give more and more and more. I will deliberately give more and more and more. I will not, I will not eat more and more and more. I will deliberately give more and more and more. When God has blessed my family, for instance, and when God takes us to a higher level of blessing, we don't have to increase our level of living. 
we can maintain our current level of living so that we can give more and more. So, am I making sense? For instance, if you see me in the office on Tuesday, I'm wearing my T-shirt and my jeans, for instance. And, you know, and when God blesses me with, let's say, $300 million, say amen now. Ah, come on. If you touch me, go touch you now. Don't you know that? <laughs> okay, let me rewind. Let me rewind. If you see me in my office on Tuesdays, I mean, t- jeans and t shirt when God blesses me with $350 million, you will still see me in my jeans and t shirt I'm not going to now begin to sow by that. That's what I'm saying. You still see me wearing my plastic wristwatch, rubber wristwatch. I will not increase my, we will not, we, de- we deliberately will try and maintain our level of Why? So that we can have leverage, so that we are able to give more and more, we are able to invest more and more and give more and more. Every, a lot of us know this man, um, Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren, the guy that wrote Purpose Driven Life. The book Purpose Driven Life, according to the U.S. press, apart from the Bible, is, is the second, is, the Bible is the highest selling book in the world. After that is the Purpose Driven Life. He made, in one year, $34 million. He said that he and his wife decided that they will not increase their life, their uh, standard of living. That the same house they've been living, the same house they are living. Some of us say, ah, now let me big mansion that, that goes like this and goes like that. Well, I don't know. Build it. And God will still bless you with more. But please, don't build another one. For yourself. Except for investment, maybe. Maybe you want to invest. Why? Because how many houses can a man live in? Be content. So that you can have more than enough to give and give. He said, the first thing they decided was they were not going to improve their standard of living. That's number one. Number two, he said that they still drive the car that they used to drive. They still live in the house they used to live in. You know, I was challenged to my core. I was like, wow. He said that he paid, he's been pastoring for 30 years. He paid back all the salary the church has paid him for 30 years. Gave it back to the church. And gave the rest away. I'm like, Wow. And guess what? The following year, do you know how many million dollars he made from that same book? Because God will bless such a person more and more and more. The purpose of it, there are some people are just eyeing me. Pastor, you don't want me to buy that Blackberry. Eh? I'm going to buy it. 
Please buy it. Then what? God will bless you with more. Don't change it. Keep using it. Is that a good deal? Oh, pastor, I've been suffering with this car. Don't come and preach that kind of message, oh, because when God blesses me, I'm going to buy a new car. Please buy the new car. Change your car, buy it. Then guess what? God will bless you with more. Say amen. amen. What I'm saying is, when he does bless you with, blesses you with more, what do you do? Don't change the car. You just bought a new one. Be content. I said, be content. I will intentionally give more and more and more. So, how can I learn to give more? Number one, I'll be intentional, deliberate. Number two, finally, as we close, go with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Go with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. How do I learn to give more? Apart from being deliberate about it, go with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it says for you to do, do it. It's the Holy Spirit that knows the things that your heart have begun to, has begun, become, began to worship. It's the Holy Spirit that knows that thing that your heart has, is beginning to worship. And he can tell you, give it away. Then you will know what struggle is. <laughs> can be. <laughs> uh, because he's a jealous God. Obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, that brother, he said, I was saying in the first worship experience, I'm praying that in God's favorite house, you know, people, people, it will be known that that church, if you go there, you will find God. And your life will change. That church, another thing I need to let you know is that, hmm, you can just go in one day with your legacy's bands and come out with the Mercedes bands. Somebody can just throw one key at you. Some people don't believe me. So shall it be. And who will God use? You and I. We have we are going to be so generous. My goodness. Anything the Holy Spirit says to give, we will give it. Praise the name of Allah. We will what? Give it. Because when our finances are under God's control, they are never out of control. When our finances are under God's control, they are never out of control. When they are under God's control. When God is the controller, is the one that speaks and says, do this, do that, do this, and we do it, and we do it, and we do it. You know, initially, it can be painful, but it is always fruitful. And rewarding. Verse first experience, I was asking my wife that, you know, by the grace of God, how many cars we've given away as a couple? She, she can't remember. She was trying to count. By the grace of God, we've given three cars away. Is this our short marital life? You know why? Because we just want to keep giving and giving. And very soon we will have given 20 away. Yeah. Say amen. Yeah. 
I will stand here and tell you, by the grace of God, we've given 20 cars away. Why? Because we just want to give. And we are open to God to challenge us to give more and more. Hmm. Praise the Lord. But it, has, it, it, it hasn't always been easy. The very first car we gave away, it almost caused marital problem. I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> I felt God say to me, give this, it's a previa, you know. It's the, we had two cars at the time, and it's the better of the cars. It's the one that had AC, you know, so there was a space bus and all that stuff. The other car was like Jalopy. And, and God said to me, give it away. This is years ago. How many years ago is that now? Years ago. Give it away. Give it to this person, you know, and quickly. Everybody say, quickly. Because I know that if I don't do it quickly, <laughs> you know, the flesh can be strong. Quickly. I said, they should wash, wash the car. They washed the car. They uh, service the car. They went to service the car. I gave it away. I got home. Uh, I said, I didn't hear your, the sound of the car. Did you drive in? I said, no. Say what happened to the car? I gave it away. You what? <laughs> I will leave you. I will spare you the details. <laughs> I can never forget one day like that. Three a.m. My wife woke me up. Wake up! I go sit down. Sit down. I was rubbing my eyes. What is it? Says I want you to tell me today. What you want to give out again? Just tell me. If if you could want to give up, give me away, give all of us away. Just, <laughs> just I don't understand what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I had to say to her, you know, I, I I I you know, and we went through all that. You know, but that was then. Now my wife, I would say, gives more than I do. Her heart. In fact, how do you know? Because the second car we gave out was ours. She bought it brand new with her money. And God said to me, I was driving out. I saw a lady. And God said, that lady, give her that car. It was my wife's car. She bought it with her money. And I said to her, this is what God has said to me. She said, give it. No stories. Before, you go and buy your own. <laughs> you give your own. And we gave it. And the third and all that and all that and all that. I tell you all the stories and all the stories. But my point is this. We learn to give more and more when we listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it says to you to give, give it. Give it. God wants you and I to be rich givers. To be rich Give us. Praise the name of the Lord. And the greatest giver of all is God. The greatest giver of all is God Himself. It's God Himself, the greatest giver of all. He gave us His Son, Jesus, that we can have life and have life 
more abundantly. Let's burn our hearts. Let's burn our, our heads. As we pray. As you think about these things, some of us will be challenged to our core this morning. We've been rattled with our giving. And, and we are like, how? How, Lord? And God is saying, I'm going to give you the grace to do it. I'm going to give you the grace to do it. But there are some of us here, you need to receive this greatest gift of the Lord Jesus that has been given. You need to receive that gift. 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 You are saying, I've never been born again. But I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. Or, I used to be born again. I used to be close to God, but now I'm far from God. I'm close to church, but I'm far from God. I know I'm backsliding, but I want to come to God. I want to pray with you, my brother. I want to pray with you, my sister. But I don't need you to come forward. I want to pray with you wherever you are seated, right there. That is me, pastor. Pray with me. Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly, and we'll pray together. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand well. Well, over your head. At the gallery, put it up over your head. You'll be attended to. God bless you. Online, if you're up your hand, if you are making this commitment, instructions are strolling. That is me, pastor. That is me. Put it over your head. Don't just, just, just put it on your head. Put it over your head. I need to see you. I need to see you. God bless you. God bless you. I need to see you. If you have the card, you can put on your hand. You can put on that hand and talk to God. That is me, Pastor. That is me. I am close to church, but I'm far from God. Quickly, slip your hand up. I will pray together. Father in heaven, we pray for everyone that surrendered to you today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We ask for your cleansing and total deliverance in the mighty name of Jesus. Let your presence and your person be real and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory.